welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Oh, it's great to be here. Greetings from North Queensland, Balgal Beach. Beautiful one day, perfect the next. And I've come to freezing Melbourne. <laughs> it's great to be here and church has been really good this morning. And it's a great honour and a privilege to be able to speak. And I hope that what I say this morning will be helpful. You know, whenever I speak, I'm now, most of my speaking now is evangelistic. Um, I speak to non-Christian people and I speak to churches and I encourage them to um, be evangelistic in their outlook. And one of the things that I always say to a non-Christian person or to Christians is I liken Christianity to life's ultimate journey. For me, from the moment that I received Christ at the age of 23, I knew that my life ahead would be life's ultimate journey. You know, Christianity is the pearl of great price. It's the most incredible, the most awesome thing. So um, when I speak to a non-Christian, I'm a salesman. I just say, hey, this is, you, you, aren't, you aren't a Christian yet, but when you become one, you will know what life's all about. It is life's ultimate journey. Now, in saying that, I've had some conversations recently, even with some, some even family members um, who aren't Christians, and they have made the comment to me, they've said, they said, the world is going crazy. Um, I think this week was just another example of, you know, just, you know, it's, it was a terrible week for those families that lost those children in that, in that terrible attack. And we've got this Ukraine issue and we've just got issues. And there's a lot of people now in our community who look at the world and think, just what is happening? What is happening here? It's just, what is happening? This is weird. It's as though there's just, there's just so much evil. Why are people like that? Why is this world the way it is? And there's a, a lot of people who are quite confused about that. You know, even Christians, you know, we hear reports about wonderful Christians, members of God's family who are being martyred in, in certain places around the world at the moment. It's just kind of like, you know, th- this is, you know, what is this all about? And I, I think that um, one of the things as sent ones is that, you know, we need to be able to be aware of what is happening so we can explain. We've, so we, you know, because this is life's ultimate journey, but there are some things that happen. And so this morning, what I very much feel to do is I just want to explain what actually is happening. And I'm going to be looking at a very interesting passage of Scripture. It's uh, John chapter 17, and it's uh, verses 14 to 18. I say a very interesting passage of Scripture because this, John chapter 17, as many of you would know, is a dialogue between Jesus and his heavenly Father. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter. It's the end of Jesus' farewell address where he's telling his disciples that he's about to go to the Father. Holy Spirit's going to be coming. They're going to be the sent ones. And now he's just praying. It's, 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 It's very holy because it's Jesus talking to his Father. And he talks about a number of things, but I just want to focus on these ones, some points here, because I think they are very, very relevant to us. And he says this. Jesus talking to his heavenly father, I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. 
Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And just as you, Father, sent me, Jesus, into the world, I am sending them into the world. You know, when I, when I first became a Christian, I knew pretty much immediately that I was different to how I had been before I became a Christian. I knew something had happened. I'd become a new creation in Christ. And I also had a sneaking suspicion that my relationship in the world was a bit different to how I originally thought before I became a Christian. But looking at these words between Jesus and the Father, um, the diff- my relationship to the world is so much more radical than I thought it probably was. You know, in this, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus says, they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. And, you know, I'm thinking as a young Christian, I think, goodness me, I'm living here. This is my home. I live here. But what is this all about? I'm told I don't actually belong here. It's a, it, was, it was sort of more radical than I could really get my, get my head around. And it's some of these concepts, I think as Christians, we don't think about. But if we do think about them, it's just going to prepare us a bit more for the incredible call and the ultimate journey that we, that we are on. You know, the fact is, we, we do live here, but we are told that this isn't our home. Now, to understand this, and this is something that Non-Christians don't understand for sure, but we as Christians need to understand. We need to be aware that when we talk about the world, when Jesus is talking to his Father about the world, there are three phases of the world that we need to be aware of. Um, Phase one is what I would call the, the initial creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created a place for his family to live. And when he created it, He said, everything is good. This is really good. This is a good place. This is where my family live. It's paradise. It's amazing. That's the first phase of the earth. But then I just want to jump to the final, to the third phase. And whilst that was the initial creation, the final phase is the new creation of the world. And this new creation, the final stage, which we aren't yet at, commences at the time of the second coming of Christ. And John, the Apostle John, tells us about it in Revelation chapter 21 um, from verse 3. Let's just have a look. This is the final phase. John says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. Oops. Go back a slide. I've sort of cut in. Okay, I'll stop from the beginning. Thank you. Okay, this is John. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Okay. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's throne is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. Now listen to this. God himself will be with them. Verse four, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain 
all these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. Okay, that of course is the final phase, which lasts forever. It's all of eternity. But we are in the middle phase, the present world, the here and the now. And before I go any further with this, I may say a few things that might sound a bit, oh, that's not the most encouraging thing to say, Mike. So I just want to say this. I personally believe that we are living right now in the most glorious time of human history for the kingdom of God. We are seeing, we are seeing the kingdom expanding right now in an unprecedented way. I am hearing testimonies after testimonies. I, I just heard some testimonies um, about what's been happening in, in Iraq and Iran, and I don't have time to talk about it. But the kingdom is massively expanding. It is, just, it is going ballistic. And the interesting thing is, you can look around and see certain things. You think, my, that doesn't really look like kingdom growth so much. But can I tell you, the way I see kingdom growth, the kingdom of God is within us. And every time a person comes to Christ, there's kingdom expansion. And there has never been such an expansion as we are presently seeing. So we need to be aware of that. But, but despite that, okay, according to Jesus, the world at the moment, according to Jesus, in his discussion with the Father, is not so much of a good place. He actually says that the world hates us, according to this. Um, it is... No doubt a place where evil does exist. I don't think we'd be silly enough to say it doesn't. We, we are living in a world where we are seeing evil. Um, and, um, and in that Revelation chapter 21, um, this present world is depicted by Jesus and with John's revelation um, as a place of tears, death, sorrow, and pain. We're seeing the most unprecedented kingdom growth but I think that we've got our heads in the sand if we sort of think, well, this is just a happy, crappy place. That's everything's always good and pleasant for us because I think all of us have experienced times in our lives when we, we have thought, oh, my goodness, this is just really tough going. And this is what people who don't know Christ, a lot of them are saying. You know, my, one of my family members says, the world has gone crazy. Um, Jesus doesn't say it hasn't. He's, we are aware that there is evil um, in this world at the moment. It can be explained very quickly by, by two scriptures that I'd like to show you, which are important. I think we'd know these, but I'm going to show them to you anyway. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 to 7. This is the, the, this is the temptation of Jesus. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority. The devil said to Jesus, I will give you all the authority and their splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Now, that is a profound thing. The devil is basically saying that he's got, he's got, he has got authority and he's got splendor of the kingdoms. That's what he said to Jesus. Now, you know, some people believe that at face value. Other people said, yeah, but that's just plainly a lie. The issue that I want to make is it was one of the temptations. And so Jesus didn't turn around him when he said it and said, he didn't say to the devil, liar, liar, pants on fire. He, he was, it was part of a temptation. 
Jesus was confronted with the devil. He said, this is what I've got at the moment. And you know theologically that when Adam and Eve fell, they, Adam had the dominion. And because of the result of the fall, there was, there was a, because of their treason against God, you know, the devil has this situation. And so we are presently living in a world where evil exists. And in fact, another really, really um, profound scripture is 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19, where John tells us, we know, we know that we are children of God. Praise God. We know that and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Okay, so fairly, fairly intense scriptures. I just want to say this. At the time of the first coming, we know that Jesus came to defeat the works of the enemy. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. It began at the first coming of Christ. It's ongoing, but it won't be completed until the second coming of Christ. The completion comes when Jesus comes again. When Jesus returns, evil will be cast away. The devil will be cast away. There will be in the weather scripture, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more anything. So the battle, we, the battle is happening. Jesus has already, so much of the enemy's works was destroyed at the first coming, but the final fulfillment of total victory comes when he comes again. So we are living in, in, in ex, extremely interesting times. So when people say, why has the world gone so crazy? We, we have some idea theologically of why there is, are these things happening. So that's the bad news in a sense. The good news is, <laughs> the good news is, and again, this is pretty confusing. Uh, Jesus says, well, you're, not, you're in this world, but you're not part of it. What, Je what Jesus is saying is that we are, we are temporary residents. 1 Peter, chapter two, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Great scripture. This is Peter now. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Temporary residents, foreigners, one of the versions calls us aliens. That we are literally aliens. We are aliens here. We, we are here for a temporary time. It's a bit like, I sort of liken it to when Julie and I moved to Balgal Beach, where we live. We, we bought a house and we are renovating a house. Which we, now which we now live in. But for six months, we lived in the little storage area off the garage, which was our kitchen. Broken down garage, we had all of the cooking stuff there. We lived in a storage area, had the bed there. You know, people could, could come and say, wow, what an, what, what an amazing home. And we'd be saying, yes, it is, but right now it's not as amazing as it's going to be when we move into the whole thing. And I think that it's important at times that we need to be aware of that. You know, you may be going through the greatest blessing of your, of your, of your life right now, and you may be thinking, oh, I don't want to be this to be temporary. This is so good. I want to be living here forever. But can I tell you that there's a great many, many, many millions of Christians around the world who are going through extreme suffering at the moment. You wouldn't want to be a, a Christian in North Korea or some of these places. It's just not as nice as, you know, being a Christian in an affluent nation where we can just... Be blessed. You know, it's the whole body of Christ. It's the whole body of Christ and, and all of that. 
our time here, realistically, I've got to say, it's not the be-all, end-all. If you're thinking, well, you know, that, that person seems to be so blessed, but my life doesn't seem to be all that blessed. Yes, I've got God's presence, which is, is enough, and we need to be content. Jaira, you are more than enough. But some people, they think, hmm, well, you know, I've got a horrible job and blah, blah, blah. This life isn't the, isn't the be-all, end-all. There's a quote from C.S. Lewis, which I'll show you, which I think is quite profound. C.S. Lewis was so profound. He says this, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. In his conversation with his father, Jesus tells us why we are living here. Because, you know, logic would say, well, you know, when I got born again, if I'm living in this world which hates me and there's a lot of evil and stuff, and when I say that, that's what Jesus says. So please don't say, how can you say the world hates me? I'm just quoting Jesus. You know, if, you know, if I'm thinking, well, when I receive Christ, this is my situation, I think, well, God, why don't you immediately take me to the next phase or the next, the, the next place? But... Um, in John chapter 17, verse 18, Jesus says this quite clearly. Just as you sent me into the world, Father, just as you sent me, just as I left heaven and came to this world, I am sending them into the world. We are the sent ones. We've been, we've been sent here. Now, I know this is going to sound a bit extreme and maybe a bit super spiritual. But I do believe, for me, I do believe that the main reason that I'm still here, the main reason is because there's a job for me to do. I do believe that. I believe there is a job for me to do. That's why I'm here. When my job's over, I don't want to be here. Well, I'm being a bit super spiritual now, aren't I? But, you know, there, there, is, there is a job. Um, Jesus had a job to do. Jesus was on a mission. God sent him on a mission. Jesus, it's a mission. And Jesus says to us, you're on a mission. I've sent you. You're on a mission. I, I, I think we need to know that. I think we need to realize that, that it's got to be part of our life as a Christian. We've got to be aware of why we are here, what is our relationship here, and why, why we are here. You know, Jesus was on a redemptive mission into a world where a lot of evil exists. He was on a redemptive mission. He secured redemption through what he did. He accomplished it. He secured it. And our job is to let people know about it. He's done it. He says to his family, go out now and to the whole world as witnesses. I've done it. Let people know about the gift so they can get it because this is what I've done for them. We are, we are the sent ones. And I love this verse, Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15. It is so potent. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that. It doesn't say for everyone who has done everything right, for everyone who's a goody-goody, for everyone. It's, it's whoever calls upon, believes in the Lord. This is the, 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 the amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me and, and you. 
This is the great, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? Good question. And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? Good question. And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the Scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. How can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? That's someone's us. And... How can anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's us. Just as, Father, just as you sent me, I'm now going to be sending them on a mission. It is so, it is, it is so important. It, it's a significant call. Two Corinthians, Paul says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We are ambassadors. Every one of us is an ambassador here on planet Earth. We are ambassadors for Him. And God is making His appeal through us. What a responsibility. What an amazing responsibility. What, a, what, an, what, what an amazing life we have. That God would say, you are my ambassador and I'm going to be making my appeal through you. The, this, this is such a radical call. Have a look at um, Acts chapter 26, verse 17. Acts 26, verse 17. Um, th this is the word for Paul, but it's also the word for us. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles. Or for us, it's people everywhere. What to do? To open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of of Satan to God. That's fairly graphic, gruesome, in-your-face words, turning people from the power of Satan to God. But that's a, that is the mission that we have. And I just want to say this. Hillary was talking about, what was it? Um, love, the majestic, amazing, whatever it was, love. You know, she's talking about for the three years. What? Fierce love. Can I tell you, this is all about, this is fierce love. This is the ultimate fierce love. The great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbour as yourself. Can I say that if your love to your neighbour does not extend to seeing them born again into the kingdom of God, if that isn't part of your concept of love for your neighbour, it's not a very high standard love. If it, if, if it involves just giving them, you know, a meal when they go away or, or, you know, encouraging them if they're going through a hard time, that's nice, that is love. But, but realistically, ultimate love for somebody is to say, is to help them to experience what, what life's all about. And to hold back on that is holding back. Love is, the, love, that, that, that is, that is love at its greatest. The great, the great Commission tells us that we need to go into all the world and tell the gospel. Jesus' last words is, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my, my witnesses. Paul talks about the greatest of these is love. And I want to present to you that the ultimate display of love is helping somebody discover the author of life and the author of love. That is love at its, at its completest. Hello, Bella. Okay. Friends, we are the sent ones. We haven't been called, as some people do, to sort of build bomb shelters and hide underground. 
you know, because we're so scared of what's happening. Like, you know, you see these shows on TV where these, these documentaries where people, you know, store up, you know, 20 years worth of food, you know, 100,000 cans of baked beans or something, you know, and all their guns and all of that, you know. A bit like a scene from Blazing Saddles, really. But um, anyway, the, um, that isn't what we have been called. Jesus has called us to be the light. Jesus says, I, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he says, you are the light of the world. This is the, the, the incredibleness of our calling. We've been called to advance God's kingdom. And I just want to say this, all of, all of heaven is cheering us on. Just like to show you a, a great scripture, um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. You okay back there? I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> um, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. All of heaven is cheering us on. We are the sent ones, and heaven is just saying, hey, run the race with endurance and perseverance. Now, just in my, my, my closing, my final comments, I just want to talk about one particular attack. You know, Jesus is praying that we will be okay, that, that we will be, be protected. For me, just from my observations of life in, in Australia, I think one of the most potent things that we have got to watch out for that can hinder our race can hinder our sent one calling, isn't so much persecution, which you will get in, you know, in, th in some third world nations and some atheistic nations and some, you know, um, religious fanatical nations where Christians, their big, their big thing is just simply, God protect me from violence and persecution. I think the big thing in the Western world is the thing we've got to be protected for is what I'd call um, worldliness. And the scripture I want to show you is Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, this is the closing comments by Paul. Paul says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Then at the end of, of two, Timorth. Timorth, Mitchell, you need to learn how to spell. Two, Timorth. <laughs> Demas, have a look at this. So uh, Colossians, Paul, the, the, the physician, and Demas greet you. And now Paul says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And I, I, I do think that this is something that I always, for me personally, and I, I think for most of us, we've just got to, we don't want to be the people who get so caught up in everything around us that we lose sight of the big picture. And I, I, I do think that that, uh, in fact, Jesus talks about the things that stops growth, stops seeds growing. He talks about the rocky, rocky ground, um, which is trouble and persecution. He talks about the thorns, which is the cares of the world and all of those things. I, I think that, that for us to endure, we just need to be, be aware that um, we have an amazing part to play in this world. 
But it is true to say that there'd be forces that will try to hinder us and stop us. And I just think this is something that we need to keep in mind. So in closing, I just want to throw two things out to you. Two, these are the two of, two of many keys that I try to hold dear to myself to keep me running the race and to stay focused. Two focus things. And basically the two things are promise and presence. Promise and presence. Promise. There is a promise that has encouraged and sustained Christians from the beginning of time. Whether these are Christians who are being thrown to the lions, whether it was the disciples, whether, whoever it was, there is a promise that has sustained people. Um, it, is, it is the promise of eternal hope or eternal life, the gift of immortality. Can I tell you, this is the promise that sustained Jesus. Um, in, in Hebrews, it tells us, because of the joy set before him, the promise set before him, he endured the cross. There was something he looked to that gave him, that, that, you know, that, that empowered him. This was the promise that Jesus reminded his disciples about in his farewell address. When Jesus was, was, was going and he was going to be leaving them, um, he tells us in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, I'll read this out. John 14, 1 to 3, Jesus is going, he's saying farewell, and he says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be troubled. You believe in God, yeah, believe in me also, yeah. Then he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself and where I am, there you may be also. Jesus used the wonderful revelation of this third part, this eternal immortality. He said to them, don't be troubled, but I want to let you know what's going to be happening. Jesus, facing the cross, he, he looked for the joy beyond. There, there is something so potent about that. You know, when I, if I'm going through a difficult time, a hard time, I'm happy, depressed or whatever, I just sometimes think, hey, wow, it all ends happily ever after. There is something out there that is going to be so amazing that goes on forever. It really is something that will get you through trials. But also, if you find yourself being so caught up in the things of the world, you just got to realize that it's, it's, it is temporary and there's something so much better. And so devote your attention to things that are better. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the things will be added, but seek first his kingdom. And, um, and, and the, the final thing, oh, I, I just would, just with that, I just want to give you a, a quote, another quote from C.S. Lewis. This is my favorite quote ever on eternity. I love this. He's speaking, this is from his book, The Chronicles of Nadia, and this is his symbolic interpretation of what eternity is going to be like from a Christian perspective. And he says this, this is a, a picture, but a picture paints a thousand words. All their life in this world and all their adventures had only been, listen, the cover and the title page. All of their life is just simply the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before.
<laughs> so good. I love that quote. And my, my final thought is this. Um, promise, this is the obvious one, and so I don't need to say anything about it. The final thing is, is presence. You know, promise, we look towards the coming of Jesus. Presence, we experience his, him now. And presence is the, it's the great panacea. It is the cure for absolutely everything. You look at Jesus was our example. He spent all night in prayer. You know, Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His everyday 24-7 presence. Promise, presence. These are two of the things that I take on board to go the distance as a sent one within, with endurance. And I, I just want to finish by showing you a little clip. This is, you'll love this clip. This is a clip along the power of of presence. The story is this. Um, it, the, the scene, it was a very, very, it was a very, very world, worldly scene. It is a thing that took place in 1972. It was a rock concert. 72,000 people were at a rock concert at Wembley Stadium, 72,000. The occasion, it was a memorial concert for Freddie Mercury, the singer of Queen. At this concert, there was, it was like Rock's royalty were, were, were performing. And one of the people who performed was a guy called David Bowie. David Bowie was a massive friend of Freddie Mercury. And he was, he was absolutely so saddened by the death of Freddie Mercury. He sang a song called Heroes. And when he finished, what happened after he finished has been described, been described as the bravest moment in rock and roll history. This is the bravest, this is what it is. In the midst of sadness and worldliness, this is David Bowie. This tribute is for our great friend Freddie Mercury. And I'd like to offer something in a very simple fashion, but it's the most direct way that I can think of doing it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Where that's not the most popular thing to do. But my thought is, if you've got someone like Dave Bowie, who no doubt was a seeker, I don't know whether he's a Christian, God alone knows. But if somebody who has just got a, is seeking, recognize that looking to Jesus at times of great sorrow and stress and pressure, even in the midst of a worldly situation, then if it was good enough for him, how much more so should God's presence be important for us? And my, my final thought is this, from that song, the song he sang was called Heroes. And one of the well-known lines was, and we can be heroes just for one day. Can I tell you as the sent ones, we can be heroes every day. Amen. Amen. Please stand, let me pray for you. 
Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for Echo Church. I want to thank you for every person here. I want to thank you, Lord God, that we are here for a reason, and what an amazing reason it is. We have been sent into this world, just as you were sent in this world, to be, to be a witness for you. Lord, we thank you for the call. We thank you for the privilege. We are aware that all of us at times face stumbling blocks, difficulties, but Lord, we know that all of heaven is just is just saying to us, you can run this race, run this race with perseverance. It is worth running with perseverance. You will overcome. There's nothing that is going to stop you. You, will, you, will, you are an overcomer because of me. Because just as I am the light of the world, you are now the light of the world. We thank you for your trust in us, Lord. We thank you for the call. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fantastic.